Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Murray said to me that I could choose my own topic. <laughs> and I almost regretted that. <laughs> so many things came to mind. Um, and again, Juliet kind of helps me out and said, why don't you kind of look back on your year and, uh, and what's the theme that's kind of come up? What's been the main theme of your year? And something that just kind of kept on coming up was confidence. Um, confidence or, or my lack thereof in, in God's plan and where I kind of fit in with that plan. Um, so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And I'm going to start, of course, with a story. I'm going to try not to look at my notes. Um, so in World War II, kind of during and after, uh, in the UK, there was heaps of orphans, a huge number of orphans, obviously, because all these people were being killed in action, and men and women, so there were all these kind of kids roaming the streets, and, uh, and this was a massive concern. The government said, okay, we, we, need to, we need to kind of put these kids back into society. We need to take, take care of them. Um, so they set up these camps, um, and uh, in these camps, they just kind of lavished on these kids. They had all they could eat. They were told, you know, this is, this is a safe place. You know, you're, you're fine. It's kind of, this is, this is an okay, okay uh, spot for you. Um, and they did all this, but the kids couldn't sleep at night. Uh, they were still having all these kind of night terrors, and they just they couldn't get over what they'd obviously experienced, all these horrible bombings, and, and their, parents, their parents kind of, um, yeah, been gone. Um, yeah, nothing worked, basically. No reassurance worked. Um, the kids feared that tomorrow they were going to wake up and they were going to have no food and they're going to be homeless again. Um, they had no confidence in their safety or confidence in these people running these camps. Um, so then someone came up with a suggestion. Uh, every kid should be sent to bed um, with a piece of bread. Not for eating, because they, they fed them as much as they could eat. They stuffed them full. Not for eating, but just to hold on to. Um, and the strangest thing happened. The kids started sleeping peacefully. Um, so the bread, and I'm assuming they asked the kids about this, the bread reminded the kids that they'd eaten today and that they would eat tomorrow. It was something that they could hold on to, something tangible. Um, so when I think of stories like this, and I, and I think of confidence, the, the first story that came to mind was, was Gideon. Um, and I think Gideon's a great example of, of weak faith being backed up by something tangible, um, where God kind of fosters and builds confidence in one person, and then ultimately a whole nation through that. Um, so his story is found in Judges chapter 6. starts off, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian, the Midianites, seven years. So, um, yeah, a bit of a grim start. From what I read about the Midianites, they're basically a big gang. Um, they're <laughs> a big gang. Um, they're disorganized, they're chaotic, but there's heaps of them. Um, they just swarm over everything. Um, let's give this a go. 
So they came with their cattle and their tents, and the uh, Bible says that they were like grasshoppers. They just, without number, they entered the land and they just overtook everything and devoured everything. Um, the funny thing is, is that these were actually people that Israel had formerly defeated, kind of crushed, in fact. Actually, they'd, they'd kind of put them away. Um, but they'd had some time and they came back in force. And in sheer number, they just overtook a usually dominant and superior Israel. Um, so the people in Israel end up hiding away in caves up in the hills. And one of my favorite commentators actually writes, he says this was like a type of self-imprisonment, um, no doubt caused by Israel's sin, which had discouraged them and caused them to fly or run away rather than fight, um, an effect of a guilty conscience towards God. And i just put a note here, sin can rob us of our confidence in God. Um, so the people of Israel are poor and they're hungry, and what do they do? They do best. They cry out to God and say, what's happening? Why, why have you let this happen to us? Um, and in verse 8, um, it goes on to say that a prophet comes. He's kind of he's unnamed. I couldn't figure out who he was. He's unnamed, and he says, look, the Lord's delivered you from all these kind of threats in the past. He delivered you from Egypt, but you haven't listened to him. You're disobedient. Um, and this is why this has happened to you. And, um, and that's it. <laughs> kind of, that's all the prophet says. Um, because the Israelites had started worshipping other gods, in particular Baal. Um, and they'd even set up idols, and they were just, yeah, they were in total disarray. They were in total disobedience. And this had come after this big time of prosperity. When Joshua's come and, and, and they've taken over this land, and God's been prospering them, and they've slipped back into worshipping Baal. It's, it's, it's weird. So, um, Fast forward seven years, seven years, and we've got the angel of the Lord appearing to Gideon. So this is in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 6. And it says that Gideon's in the middle of threshing wheat um, in a wine press um, so the Midianites wouldn't see him and steal his wheat because the Midianites would basically hang out, wait for the, for the, for the harvest, come in and steal everything. Um, and the angel of the Lord greets Gideon in a way that surprises Gideon, um, because he calls him a mighty man of valor. Um, so some translations say mighty hero or even mighty warrior. And not surprisingly, Gideon, Gideon's like, why are you calling me this? What, what about me is mighty? Um, he must have thought. Um, but I've written here, God sees us for what we can be. Um, it says that in Samuel 16, 7, he looks on the outside appearance. Uh, looks on the inside appearance. Right? He looks on our hearts, not on the outside. Um, so Gideon's kind of like, okay, uh, you say I'm a mighty man of valor. Um, all right, switch tack a little bit. Why are all my people suffering? Why is this happening to us? You say that you're with us. We, we can't see that. Um, we're hiding up in the hills, and, and these savages, for lack of a better word, have taken everything from us. Um, and the angel just comes back and says, go in this might of yours, you can save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, the Lord is sending you. Um, but Gideon's still not convinced. He's back at the angel again and says, my clan is the weakest in all my tribe, and I'm the weakest in my whole family. Um, so what, what can I do against all of them? 
And the angel of the Lord just clarifies. He says, the Lord is with you. You will defeat them. Um, so Gideon goes through putting him to the test. He says, look, if you're telling the truth and, you, and, you've, and you're going to deliver my people, give me a sign. Um, and the angel of the Lord agrees. And, and uh, so Gideon runs off. He gets some food. He chucks it on a rock. The angel touches his staff to the rock. Up in flames. <laughs> the Bible is so weird. <laughs> so, so yeah, it promptly bursts into flames, and then the angel disappears. Um, I was just like, man, what a what a strange day for Gideon. <laughs> like, if I was him, I probably would have just would have gone and lied down. Like, obviously, all the threshing wheat. <laughs> He's got some heat stroke or something, but Gideon is actually encouraged. And he appears to be confident in his new calling. In, in Judges 6.34, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Um, and in Hebrew, this literally means the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. I just He covered Gideon. And I just thought that was, that was a really cool picture. Um, the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. Um, and Gideon goes on to to tear down even his own father's idol. His father's got this big idol to Baal, and Gideon goes and tears it down. And he builds an altar to the Lord. Um, so Gideon puts out this call for help. He goes, okay, I've got this, I've got to do this, and he gets a good response. 32,000 men come and answer the call to come and fight for Israel's freedom. Um, but Gideon's kind of having his doubts again. He asks God um, to further prove that he will use him to deliver Israel. Um, so it's a pretty well-known story. You guys probably heard it in Sunday school. Gideon puts out the fleece. And, um, and he said, Lord, put morning dew on the fleece only and not on the ground. And he wakes up. There's dew on the fleece. So the fleece is all wet and the ground's all dry. And he's like, wow, if you can do that, you can do the opposite. <laughs> so, so he says again, look, God, I'm sorry. In verse 39, he said, please don't get angry against, against me, but I need you to prove this to me again. Can you make all the ground wet and the fleece dry? God does it. Wakes up, the fleece is dry, and there's dew on the ground. So at this point, you'd think Gideon would be pretty fired up. Like he's three times the Lord's proved, I'm with you. He's got the calling, he's got all the men, he's had the confirmation, and now it's time for action. But now it's the Lord's turn to test Gideon. He basically tells Gideon, you've got too many men. You're too strong. Your position is too strong. Um, if you have success, if you go ahead and defeat these Midianites, people are going to say it because of your army and not because of me. And he's, the Lord says to him, tell anyone that's scared to go home. It's all good. Okay, no one really wants scared soldiers anyway. So hands up who thinks a hundred people went home. A thousand? Ten thousand? Okay. Well, 22,000 men packed up and left. <laughs> He's got 10,000 left. So 10,000 brave guys. That works. That's still, a, that's still a hardy number. But the Lord's not finished yet. He sets up another test with water and another 9,700 leave and are sent home. Um, now, for those among us that suck at math, that leaves 300. <laughs> 300 from 32,000 to 300. That's a pretty small number against a whole lot of Midianites. In fact, I was looking up trying to find out how many Midianites, and biblical scholars agree 450 to 1, 
which again, if you suck at math, is 135,000 Midianites to 300 Israelites. Sounds like the plot to most action movies. Um, but just in case you're thinking it can be done with this, I had to find pictures like this. <laughs> or maybe even this. <laughs> no, it's got to be done with a trumpet and a lamp. So basically what I can tell with a lamp is a, yeah, a firebrand put in a pot. So that's what they've got to do it with. Okay, so there's no doubt now Gideon needs a miracle. His 300 men surround the camp at night, and it all plays out in chapter 7, verses 17, which I know is probably quite small, but I'm going to read it. And he said unto them, so this is Gideon, look upon me and do likewise, so do whatever I do. And behold, when I come out to the outside of the camp, it shall be like that, and I'm going to do it, and then you do it right behind me. When I blow a trumpet, I and everyone that's with me, because I separated into three divisions of a hundred, I and everyone that's with me are going to do it, and then you blow all your trumpets as well. And you've got to say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and his hundred men went with him. They went into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. That's basically midnight, pitch black. Um, and they blew their trumpets and broke their pots that were in their hands. And everyone else, the other three companies, blew the trumpets, broke their pots, and held the lamps in their left hands. And in their right hands, they blew the trumpets and cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they all stood there, and the Midianites freaked out, basically. This is all the host, all 135,000 of them, ran, cried, and fled. And it goes on to say that the enemy got so confused in the dark that they actually started attacking each other. Gideon and his men didn't even draw their swords. So, and then in verse 23, it goes on to say that the rest of the Israel, Israel gathered themselves together, this is all the other tribes, and chased away the remainder of the Midianites. So this is actually one of my favorite parts of the story because it highlights that Gideon and his men blowing their trumpets and shining their lights in turn gave hope and courage for others to join the fight. Um, so just, just like the nation of Israel, um, at the beginning of the story, my year has kind of been littered with battles against this, my flesh. Um, so all these old sins that I'd previously put away or thought I had um, were starting to reappear. And instead of resting on God and my confidence in his love, um, I sought peace in all the wrong areas. Um, I set up idols in my life. I had all these things that I was relying on to, to give me peace, things to substitute or, or attempt to, the peace and fulfillment that I should have been seeking directly from God. Um, so in my guilt, I relate to the story a lot, because in my guilt, um, I tried to appease God by kind of fasting and sacrifice, uh, things like, okay, I'm not going to eat today, I'm not going to eat lunch today, instead I'm going to, go and try and pray. I'm, 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 I'm not going to watch that TV show tonight. Um, I'm going to give away the spare money to someone, just to anybody. Um, and I'm not saying that those are bad things. I'm just I'm saying that my heart wasn't in the right place. Um, my confidence was in myself, in my own abilities to appease the Lord and establish my righteousness in his view. Um, so one day I was actually asked by someone, 
Uh, do you believe that God loves you? Um, and in my head, I, I, I knew what I should say. Um, but I answered, honestly, I said, not really. I said, I believe that he tolerates me. Like, like when a parent is asked who their favorite child is and they lie and say that they love them all the same. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure you do. That's truly how I felt. I wasn't confident that, confident that any of his, his big plans, his proper plans, included me. Um, I didn't think that I was dependable enough, faithful enough, or good enough. Um, this led to me praying, Lord, give me a revelation of your love for me. Um, and, and that did come. But in typical fashion, it was not really how I expected it. Um, one day, and it wasn't that long ago, I was given some news that shook me up pretty bad. Um, I was really unexpected, out of the blue, and I was, I was angry at God. Um, I remember saying to him, you know, just in full-on tantrum mode, I remember saying, like, what do you want me to do with this news? I suppose you just want me to praise and clap my hands and be stoked. You know, that anything that comes is all from you. Because um, I didn't want to do any of those things. I wanted to go and get high. <laughs> Just, I just wanted to forget everything. Um, and I had the perfect opportunity too. An old friend had told me that night, I played basketball with him, and he told me, he let me in on his plans, and I knew that with a simple text, I could go and do just that. Um, in that moment, and I said to God, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to go do this. Um, I'm not getting any peace from you in this moment, so I'm going to go, and this is what I'm going to do. And, um, and I felt him say to me, fine. Go ahead. I'll be waiting here when you get back. Um, I even felt a peace about going. It was weird. Uh, like, There's no judgment. I didn't. I didn't. I felt. I felt like, yeah, I could go do this. Um, but I still had doubt. I, I said to him, "So you're saying if I go and do this, and who knows what else, you won't be mad at me?" And then I felt that I got the following response: "It won't change how I feel about you." Well, that took all the wind out of my sails. Um, it peed on my bonfire, as my boss likes to say. <laughs> How could I go through with it when confronted with this kind of unconditional love? How could I experience God being so patient and kind with me and then throw it all back in his face? Um, so I stayed home instead and cried like my one-year-old niece. And that night I slept peacefully. Not because I had resisted the temptations, you know, yay me, the conquering hero. But because the Lord in his mercy had given me something tangible to hold on to. Um, just like those orphan kids, I believe that he'd given me a word. A piece of his everlasting bread. He'd, he'd let me hold on to something. Um, now Gideon is, is traditionally thought of as, as, a, as a type of Christ. You know, Joseph is another one. They're kind of like these shadows of what Jesus was. Um, Jesus is the complete example of confidence. Um, he's the ultimate man of valor. Um, but when Jesus hit the scene, confidence was playing a very different role in Israelite society. Um, it wasn't lack of confidence, it was overconfidence. Um, the Pharisees were ruling, they were the religious rulers of the day, and they weren't short on confidence at all. What they said went, and um, they weren't afraid to shed a little blood to back up their claims. They'd spent most of their lives dedicated to the study of 
who and what the Messiah would be. Um, a warrior king like David come to roll some heads, come to finally set them free from their oppressors. But just like Gideon and, and his men, Jesus didn't have to draw a sword to defeat his enemies. You see, the, the Pharisees were confident of their righteousness and, and their understanding. Um, but the sad truth is, is that this confidence actually blinded them. They missed the Messiah standing right in front of them. In fact, they did worse. They rejected him. Um, but their, their opinions didn't affect Jesus because he knew who he was in the Father. John seven twenty nine. But I know him, this is Jesus speaking, but I know him for I am from him and he hath sent me. So both Jesus and Gideon were given a word and sent. Um, Jesus didn't need any further confirmation, but Gideon did. Um, that's okay. He was a sinner with weaknesses just like us. And I don't think that, that Gideon's request for confirmation was an example of how to ask God for proof. I think it was an example of God's graciousness and understanding of how fragile our faith can be. An example that he is interested in growing us, not just cutting us off every time we don't have complete confidence in him or his plans for our life. Um, ideally, Gideon would have plowed ahead. After he got that first word, I mean, he saw the angel, he saw the flames, everything. Ideally, he would have just plowed ahead from that, from that moment. Um, just as those children should have been confident in their safety, without actually having to hold a piece of bread. Um, but life isn't always that easy, yeah? Not for me, anyway. Um, Gideon may have had his doubts, um, but because of his humility, he was willing to listen. Um, Gideon walked out of the mundane and into his destiny when he was willing to serve God unconditionally. It wasn't his first reaction, but it was his eventual decision that was the most important thing. So, to take away... Um, just like Gideon, we're called to confidence not in our own abilities, but in God's word. What he has to say about us about us and our situation. That's our daily bread. Both to eat and to grow in our faith, but also to hold on to. Um, that's why we need to know what it says. Um, we so often look at only what we could offer the Lord and not what he could do through us. This can be discouraging because if you guys are anything like me, when I compare my own abilities to those around me, I always come up short. Um, when I was first asked to preach, <laughs> I remember thinking, how am I possibly good enough to do this? Um, I'm not scholarly like Nathan. Um, I'm not as relatable as Murray. I'm not as warm and engaging as Jenny. I'm not as funny as Aaron. And I'm certainly not a good, as good of a storyteller as Jeremy. But then I'm not, I haven't met anyone that is. <laughs> what could I possibly offer that any of these guys couldn't do 10 times better? Um, for me, the story of Gideon is a reminder that we can effectively use two things for the kingdom of God our trumpet, our voice, and the light. Now, that's not our light, that's Jesus. Jesus' light through us, Jesus working in our lives. And these two things are both completely unique to us. I may not be able to speak and, and, and do things that Jeremy can do, but he can't speak and do things that I can do. Um, we've both got different stories, and God's both working in our lives differently.
Um, we need to be humble enough to listen, but confident enough to act. So we're those clay pots. And the torch within us is the Holy Spirit. So in Corinthians, which should be my last slide, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels in us, that the excellency of the power may be of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he's, he's the treasure. Jesus is the treasure in our, in our earthly vessels, in our bodies. And it's through our own cracks and weaknesses that his light can show forth in our lives. The more we allow our pots, us, to be broken before him, the more his power is released. When we trumpet his word, our enemies are put to flight. God is willing to clothe himself with you and I. Um, it's time to stop believing that God could never use us and begin believing who he declares us to be, mighty men and women of valor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word says that, that when we're weak, Lord, you're strong. And that you set up situations for us where you can be given the glory, Lord. I thank you for that. I just ask, Lord, that as everyone goes out into this new year, and people have resolutions, Lord, I, I pray we would resolve to, to surrender, Lord, unconditionally to you, that our, um, our every thought, word, and action would be pleasing to you, Heavenly Father, and that we wouldn't be afraid to stand up and be counted for you. No matter our situation, our circumstances, no matter how weak or poor or broken we think that we are, Lord, nothing's impossible with you. And I pray this in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.